This is Beers and Buckets, a podcast for degenerates like us who drink beer and watch basketball. We are the only college basketball podcast that reviews beer and the only beer review podcast that talks college basketball. So grab a beer, throw on a game, and hang with us. All right, welcome in. Episode 17, week 17. And guys, it's the end of the regular season of college basketball as we know it. We are entering conference tournament week. I'm ready for just having games on 24-7 this week. I don't know about you guys. So I'm Connor, like always. I'm I'm here. I'm not joined by Dal. He's in Vegas for a bachelor party, but I am joined by what we've had. He's had he's been on a couple of episodes. Michael Beard, all mic'd up underscore. And we're also joined by Jason Carmelo of Big Underdog Bracketology. So Go ahead and introduce yourself, guys. What what do we need to know about you? Hey, it's Michael, and uh, I mean, you guys, if you listen to uh, this podcast on the regular, you know who I am. I've uh, been on a couple times. I've been laying low a little bit here lately, but, um, you know, Connor asked me to come on, and I love this podcast, and I was like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it didn't even, he didn't have even have to convince me. I was like, yeah, I'm in. So, yeah, I'm looking. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't hard to, at all. I said you. You free Sunday night. He said, "Yeah, I'm free." All right. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just excited to talk some uh, college basketball, some bracketology, uh, and stuff like that. So, yeah. Awesome. And and, and guys, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm Jason Carmelo again. Uh, uh, lover of the bracketology, uh, especially the bubble watch. Fascinated by how the metrics play in and kind of balance the eye test with uh, with the analytics of the game and and. I think what makes college basketball so fantastic is you know, in college football, you lose a game in September and you might be done for the year. Whereas you see a team like Memphis or someone who can make a charge late. And I think uh, it's a balance between uh, analytics, the eye test, and uh, I'm excited to talk about with you tonight. Definitely. I mean, there's so many factors that go into bracketology that I, I do not have the patience for it. Like I, I just don't. Uh, so I, I applaud you in that regards, Jason. Uh, real quick, I have to ask you. You followed us, I think, first, and then you reached out to us about maybe you know, coming on as a guest, which is awesome. Like, I love that. I want more people to do that because you know, like, it's just easier to a little bit easier as a, a podcast host to find people who want to be on your podcast versus you have to reach out. You know, so. Uh, but Jason, you you kind of followed us, and then you touched base yesterday, and it's like, hey, you know, opportunity come up, you know, whatever. So what, where did, how did you find us? Like, is there a certain account that you saw somebody retweeted? I, I just got to give a shout out to whoever, you know, put you on the beers and buckets because we're a relatively new podcast still. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know the exact account, but uh, I think I was reading some, some Kentucky scores and looking at some metrics and your podcast popped up and I thought I'd, uh, I thought I'd give it a, a follow and, and see if we can get on and talk hoops. I'm, I'm up to talk hoops any night. So just let you know. Oh, sweet. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's awesome. So yeah, I mean, technically we aren't a Kentucky podcast, but everyone that <laughs> everyone that's involved with this is a Kentucky fan. Uh, because uh, my idea was the market's so saturated for Kentucky podcasts yeah. that we didn't need another one. And, uh, you know, Mike can attest to that where we have a, a, a quite a few friends that have their own podcasts that talk Kentucky sports. And, and so when I started this thing, I was like, you know what, I do enjoy watching college basketball, not just Kentucky um but i have to let my fandom show sometime obviously so uh but yeah i appreciate you reaching out and doing that so we can't go any further on this podcast that's about college basketball without talking about the the infamous spoiling of coach k's last game at duke 
uh, in Cameron Indoor Stadium last night. Shout out to UNC, man. Did any of you guys see that coming at all? I personally, um, I didn't give it much of a chance. I, I didn't think that it could happen. You know, I, I, I thought that, you know, with all of everything that was going on with Coach K and everything like that, I thought, well, you know, maybe they're getting a little bit distracted by, you know, the, the whole UNC uh, Duke rivalry and um, everything going on there. You know, it's and obviously that that rivalry is like on pins and needles on like how close it is just historically. So um, I, I I was really surprised to see North Carolina beat them, especially how they did. Um, but we have to be honest that was that was that was pretty awesome to watch. I mean, it, they ruined yeah. the entire night, the whole vibe. They ruined. And it wasn't, like, even close, like, for the most part. They kind of just took the lead. And I know they kind of teetered a little bit, but then at the end, like, it wasn't even close. I mean, it was a 13-point lead, I think, yeah. or win. I, I don't even remember. It's wild, yeah. man. Wild. Jason, what did you think of that, man? Yeah, so I, I, I think Carolina basically played the perfect game. I mean, they, they had four players that scored 20 or more, and they did what they, they did what they typically do, right? They spread you out, and they shot a lot of perimeter shots. They shot the ball well, and – they really played into Duke's Achilles heel that, you know, Duke's 351st out of 358 in creating turnovers. Carolina, didn't, they've got guards. They didn't turn the ball over at all. Um, and Carolina is the fourth best defensive rebounding team in the country. And they kept Duke off the boards. Uh, I think Duke only had eight offensive rebounds. So it was one and done for Duke most of the night. And when Carolina gets, you know, 25 from Manic. Um, you know, they're going to win a lot of games. They can really shoot the ball from the perimeter, which really makes them dangerous in, in the tournament. Hey, listen, I, did I think Carolina was going to win? No, but I don't know if Carolina thought Carolina was going to win. No, definitely time. not. <laughs> um, but they've got they've got some really skilled players. They just haven't done it. You know, they were one in seven in quad one games heading yeah. into the year. They just haven't done it against really high competition. But well, the thing about like, Carolina that, that I've noticed, I think Dallas even mentioned that, like, their guards just haven't been – good this year in my opinion like they're no they can't stay in front of anyone on defense and on offense they can't get past anyone it's similar to like Kentucky last year with their guard situation and why they struggled so much so um that that was what really impressed me the most was how good the guards played and so and and we've talked about Duke a lot on this podcast and their Achilles heel like you said is, is not being able to force turnovers but also their guards are very physical but like they offensively their their guards aren't you know like what you're focused on you know what i mean uh their their guards are definitely just kind of there to facilitate and you know maybe cause some problems on the defensive end but they never really turn you over and they never really score at will except for trevor keels against kentucky in night one of the season you know so like there hasn't been really anything other outside of that performance that has shown me that they have like elite you know backcourt play so uh, the, the whole game was just kind of, I think, the whole him at the end, like Coach K at the end saying, like, this is unacceptable, blah, blah, blah. Like, you you have a circus, you're going to have some monkeys, you're going to have some elephants, you're going to have some lions. You know what I mean? Like, you you, you wanted this farewell tour. I think you, you're you going to have games where there's a lot of distractions because of the farewell tour, and that was one of them. And I think if they didn't have the whole – all the former players there that, you know, like NBA players, whatever – and you didn't have the 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 whole thing at the beginning where they you know they had the camera on them the entire time. It, 
just taking away from an overtime game against Texas and Kansas. Like, what are we doing here? Like the do the the split box. Like, it was it was just kind of a you know, circus. Like I said, so um, all things considered, you know, like I think if that game was a normal game, I don't, I think Duke takes care of business. But UNC had nothing to lose, and Duke had everything to lose, and they and it approved. So um, you know, interesting interesting game there. Were there any other games you guys watched yesterday or maybe earlier this week that you thought was like, oh dang, this is a pretty pretty good upset or just, you know, just anything that was fun to watch this past week. You go ahead, Jason. Yeah. So I, I think the Texas tech Oklahoma state game, I think was a, you know, a big surprise across the board. What yeah. was, what's interesting about that is Texas tech has the best defensive metrics in the country, right? Yeah. They really guard, they play extremely hard. Um, and Oklahoma state surprisingly is almost like a Texas tech light. Um, you know, they're, yeah. you know, they're, they're seventh, you know, they're seventh in the nation, you know, defensively, they can, they can guard as well. They're not quite as skilled offensively. So what happens is, is sometimes what makes tech so wonderful is they slow the pace down and they guard so well, but the drawback to that is they play games in the fifties and sixties. Yeah. And when you do that, you know, and, and, and that night, you know, tech shot 35% from the floor. Um, they were, you know, they, you know, they just weren't shooting the ball very well. And when you do that, Sometimes you leave games up to a coin toss. Oklahoma State hit a late three and you get beat. So while Tech and Wisconsin and a lot of these teams that really slow the tempo down, they can beat anyone in the country. Sometimes they end up um, in a fight with teams that really aren't as skilled as them because they're just, there's just less possessions in the game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was I watched a little bit of that game. Looked good. Had to shout out to Oklahoma State's jerseys. Those were so <laughs> clean. Love, love a good uniform, and they they sh- showed out for that one. So that was that was awesome. Uh, Beer, what'd you think? What, any other games you you watched this past week, or you were you were surprised about? Yeah, two uh, two SEC games there. Um, they're kind of like as we were waiting on uh, the Kentucky game to start, the Arkansas Tennessee game. That uh, that was a nail biter. Um, yeah. And at first it wasn't. It was like, yeah, they, first like was. Tennessee had a 20 point lead or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they got up to like 23, 23 point lead. Or somebody texted me and said, Yeah, I was at my little girl's birthday party and uh, someone texted me and said, Tennessee's up on Arkansas by 23 points. And I was like, What the heck, man? Like, what's going yeah. on? But um, yeah, that game came down to, uh, you know, the, the last couple possessions and uh, Tennessee was able to hold on. Uh, it seemed like J.D. Note wasn't able to get much going during that game. Just, you know, maybe some trips to the free throw line here and there. Yeah. Um, and then the Alabama-LSU game, that that game was uh, a, a nail-biter as well. And uh, thankfully, they, we, they didn't force us to watch that game. Um, yeah. <laughs> especially in our region. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't really know how CBS does that, depending on, upon – uh, where you're at, where you're located, but um, that the LSU Alabama game was uh, a great ending. I was I was happy to see LSU to add a another nice quality victory to their resume because I mean that they, they hadn't really had much going for them as of late. You know they had a nice start to their year, but you know once SEC play got going, they they just kind of been really mid. So. Adding that was nice for them. Alabama continues. I mean, they just continue to be the team that you don't really know what they're going to be night in, night out. Um, But whenever you shoot that many three-pointers at the rate that they do, 
you know, you're going to have nights like that. And especially yeah, this yeah, year, absolutely. you don't have Herb Jones on the other, on the opposite end, making up for, uh, you know, a bad three point shooting night. Their defense is atrocious and has been all year. Uh, it doesn't look like that they're going to fix that. And that's not going to change just based upon the personnel that they have. So, um, you know, they're dangerous teams, but just you just never know when they're going to be dangerous. So, yeah, it's so annoying because yeah, they could easily just you know like catch fire one game in the t- in the SEC tournament or NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. and really you know, put it to a team that did, they didn't expect it at all, and then the next game they'll be totally flat. Maybe you go like you know like you know, five for thirty or something like that from yeah. three. So you know like it's just, you never know which team you're going to get in Alabama. It's kind of frustrating. Uh, yeah, what's interesting about Bama is they've hung their hat the last couple of years on defense. Mm-hmm. You know, last year they were the third best defense in the country. And then, you know, this year they're in the 90s. And they don't you know, – they just want to – try. like you said, like you said, Michael, they just want to score and score and score some more, and they don't really worry about defense, and that really gets them in trouble. I mean, that, I mean that's why they lo- they've lost to Georgia, but they've beaten Gonzaga, yeah. right? Because it, it's all about perimeter shooting with them. Listen, if – Watching that game, if I'm an LSU fan, I'm actually really, really encouraged. Yes. That's a that's a team that really struggles to score at 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 times. LSU, and you know they they always bring their defense. They give the ball away too much, but they won a game scoring 80 yeah. points. And I again, we we know Bama's not great defensively, but any signs of offense for LSU is going to be a, a nice thing heading into the conference tournament because they just have really struggled in conference play scoring at all. Yeah, LSU's offense, like you said, is just you never like it's you don't really expect a lot from them. So when they do show out, it's like, oh wow, this is they look pretty good. They look like a team that's kind of complete, but it's not sustainable at, at this moment. We haven't seen any you know sustained games like that, unfortunately. For yeah, them. they they but, give the ball away too much. Yeah, I mean, they're they're one of the one of the worst teams in the country in giveaways offensively. Yeah. And even Alabama, for all intents and purposes, I think last year, that's just a testament to how good they were last year was because of Herb Jones and John Petty. Uh, those two guys were the the guys, absolutely. Excuse me. And I think it was, you know, um, what's his name? J.D. Davison had some, had some shoes to fill, and I don't know if he's quite filled them out just yet. Uh, I, I expect him to return and maybe, you know, see what he can do next year. I also maybe expect uh, you know Sky Clark or some somebody like that to join Alabama next year. So we'll see, but it could be could be something there to watch there because I feel like he would fit that that J that JD Davison role uh, hair and style of play. Oh my. <laughs> so can you can you imagine <laughs> watching one of their games if both of them just have their hair loose? It'd be wild, man. <laughs> you wouldn't like. You wouldn't have no idea which one is which on the court that quick. You just see the hair, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. It, uh, except, I mean, Skies is, I guess, a little bit more blonde, and Jadis yeah. is kind of red almost. Yeah, yeah. Just like the toner right. or whatever. If you if you put some toner in there or whatever, it'd be fine. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, a couple of games um, that I'll just quickly mention. We kind of move on to our interview questions here. Uh, Memphis over Houston today, like you, I think Mike, uh, you said something like the, the analytics had like have Memphis fool or Houston fooled. Yeah, they're completely, like they're, they really, they, well, ever, ever since, you know, those two guards went down, whenever they went down, they, yeah. they kind of continued to impress over, uh, you know, a, a five to eight game span that 
I was impressed by them. Yeah. And, um, you know, here lately they've kind of came back down to reality. Um, I, I think they're really missing those two guys, especially when it comes to their depth. Um, it, it's it's going to come down to what could have been for Kelvin Sampson if he would have been able to keep um, Sasser and uh, what's the other guy that they lost? Uh, I can't remember his name. But despite the fact, if they wouldn't have lost both of those guys, they, I mean, this would by far be his best team there in Houston. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, they just have yeah, the, the computers tricked at this very moment. And uh, I was just kind of stating the obvious there. Just like a 14 I mean, point I, win, man. That's that's wild. I mean, what what's crazy about Houston's metrics, especially their net ranking, is right now they're third in the net, right? And they have one quad one win. Baylor sits behind them and has 11, 11. quad one wins, 10 more. And what's crazy is you could say, well, it's you know, it's it's schedule related. Well, Baylor has a much tougher schedule. And then you say, well, it's it's probably the winning percentage. They have the same right. record. So they, they so what you can tell by all this is is that the net is so heavily weighted on how many points you win by. Yeah. And I think that's a flaw, and I think that's something the NCAA is gonna start to look at because when you have a team that leads the country in quadrant one wins sitting behind a team with one. Yeah. I, they're going to have to adjust that in, in the off season because I, I think what it does is it deteriorates the val- the validity of, of, of the ranking system itself. Yeah. And, and I mean like the whole entire system is flawed too, because it de- depends on how you value each conference. Right. So the big 12 I saw on a recent, you know, like seating is that and this was like last week. So it's probably updated since then. But the recent seating, like, you know, um, team team appearances by conference for each conference, like how many teams they have from that conference to join the tournament this year. Uh, the Big 12 led or Big 10 led with eight. Big 12 only had five. You can't tell me the fifth best team in the Big 12 is not as is not as good as the eighth best team in the Big Ten because in my opinion the Big Ten's kind of been like a roller coaster this season where you never know like Purdue's been up and down Illinois's been up and down Iowa's been up and down so like you never know what the Big Ten is gonna kind of put out you know what I mean like Ohio State lost three straight games this week like what what are we doing here you know Michigan the, the big the best team in the Big Ten this year got blown out by Michigan you know so like. It, it's just kind of up and down where the big 12 it's like they're just like it's a rock fight you have some of the best teams in the big 12 it's probably the best conference right behind maybe right behind sec like just because of the emergence of um arkansas and tennessee like as of late but you know like it's just kind of been like back and forth between sec and big 10 or big 12 and then the big 10 is the one with the most conference teams like uh, to maybe appear in the tournament this year so i don't it's it's all wacky, uh, but like you said, Jason, it's just kind of like the system is a little bit flawed, um, and they need to be they need to reevaluate how they evaluate teams because, like Gonzaga has thirteen quadrant four wins, they're thirteen and zero. No other team in the top ten or top twenty five has more than eight quadrant four games total that they played. Gonzaga has thirteen, and you know, so it's like, what are we doing here? You know? Yeah, and 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 I think the quadrant system in and of itself is okay. I think it's it's a good way to realize, you know, the weight of the games and, and to reward road games and road wins. And I, I'm totally fine with that. And to, and to penalize you for losing games, you shouldn't. It's just 
you can't you you can't wait winning over you know the really poor teams that much because yeah. it just throws everything it throws everything out of the balance i mean tell that to providence who wins every game by two points and they're sitting at 26 in the net they're 24 and 4 and going to win the big east and they they can't crack the top 20 yeah so. yeah that's atrocious a um, couple of sorry yeah it's, no you're good uh yeah it's it's just been it's a weird year for basketball because there hasn't been a clear cut and you could say oh yeah what about gonzaga oh whatever you know like Gonzaga also lost to Alabama, who's not even ranked and not even the fifth best, maybe not even the fifth best team in the SEC. You know, so and and I, I tweeted this out the other day because it just blew my mind, and I had no ulterior, you know, a motivation behind this or like any like meaning, like hidden meaning behind it. I was just surprised that Gonzaga only has only played actually six true road games. They have had four no, uh, non or neutral site games uh, for non conference and. They had two canceled road games. So they've only played six road games this year, which is wild. It doesn't really mean anything because, like I said, it's not like you're playing true road games in, in the NCAA tournament or anything. But, like, people took that and ran with it, and I just thought it was funny. Uh, but between that and, you know, pointing out the home cooking that Arkansas and other teams get uh, with the you know, personal fouls and free throw attempts that I tweeted out, it's been a wacky week on Twitter. But – couple other games uh michigan like i said beat ohio state maryland and nebraska also beat ohio state earlier this week what is going on in ohio state i mean yeah. you got the hoodie can you tell me yeah yeah i, I can't answer that one uh, i'm an ohio state grad so um ohio state was playing really really well before the holidays um they they had beaten duke and they had beaten wisconsin i think they were playing at probably a top 10 level uh they were paused by COVID for almost three weeks since then, they really their shooting percentage has gone way down. I mean, it, it's kind of a an odd statistic, but it is. And so now, what they're doing is they're trying to make up a ton of games, and they are heavily relying on EJ Liddell and Malachi Branham. Branham's a freshman; he's been fantastic. He's probably the be the freshman of the year in the Big Ten. But their depth has been worn down by some injuries. Justin Suing's been out all year. Kyle Young, which is probably the most underlying thing, he's one of the you know you hear the term "blue guys," right? It's the people that hold their team together. Last year, you look back and you say they were a two seed. How in the world did they lose to Oral Roberts? Now, Oral Roberts had two pretty good players, Abrams and 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 O'Bannon, but Kyle Young didn't play. He had a concussion and didn't play. Same thing this year in the Nebraska game. Right off the bat, he had a concussion. He's been out all week, and they really miss him inside. So both their big guys, him and Zed Key, have been out all week. They're really, really thin inside. Um and they just really haven't shot the ball as well. Liddell's starting to wear down, and teams are doubling and sometimes triple teaming him. He's fantastic. He's probably a second-team All-American, but they're making him pass the ball out, and their guards aren't aren't making him pay with open shots. Yeah, it's been it's been a tough go for them making up those games. Uh, I mean, they still they still can make a splash in the Big Ten tournament. They can also make a run in the, in the NCAA tournament. I think this is still a very talented Ohio State team. I'm. I personally think EJ Liddell is the best player in the Big Ten. I know Dallas said that on the on this podcast before as well. Uh, you know, like I really like Keegan Murray, but give me give me EJ Liddell in that scenario because at this point, if teams are triple cut, you know, triple teaming him, you're doing something right. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's a, he's a very good player. So. He's got that. Well, he's got that kind of old school game. He's a bit undersized for yeah. a four. You know, he's only about six seven, six eight. 
man. He he really hits that fadeaway jumper. He's he's really carried them. I I think, you know, I think they're trending somewhere to a, you know between a five and a seven seed with, yeah. with the roster that they've got. That that's pretty good for them. Um, but you know, listen, that for an NCAA tournament run, they're they're gonna have to rest their legs because they're they're really really worn down right now. Yeah, they, like it would almost make sense for them to just kind of like bow out of this Big Ten tournament and get some rest for this week. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe not actually like just say like we're forfeit or whatever, but just not even try in that, in that first game and like take the loss, get ready, get ready for NCAA tournament at this point. Well, um, I always find, I always find the big 10 tournament interesting because the game's played on Sunday, right before the selection show. Yeah. And oftentimes, yeah. oftentimes the team that actually wins that game isn't rewarded. I mean, the bracket's already pretty much set anyway. Yep. As a side note, that, that, that's always entertaining to me. The big 10. Yeah. Yeah, at this point, like I know, like I think I don't think any year that Kentucky's won the national championship, they actually won the SEC tournament, if I'm not mistaken, at least non-rough years. So, yeah. uh, yeah, I would I'm okay with Kentucky not winning the SEC tournament. If it means that we can, you know, get a couple of you know, days rest and moving on for the NCAA tournament. But uh, you know, like conference tournaments are fun, but they don't really mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things, you know. So. I'd rather win the NCAA tournament, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, also Nebraska over Wisconsin earlier this week. And then TCU almost did it twice to Kansas, but they got the upset and at TCU, which was pretty wild. So, yeah, I mean, it's been a good week of college basketball. Kansas has, does not look like a one seed. If they get that one seed, I'm going to be pissed because they do not look like a one seed. Their, their offense is literally, let's give it to Ojai Abaji. And if, we, if it doesn't work, then I, I don't know. David McCormick could get five chances to make a uh, two two foot layup. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. I think Kansas, you know, that they could have lost twice to TCU. Uh, they ended up w- winning by four the second game, and then you know they played um, uh, Texas yesterday, and they yeah. almost lost to Texas. Uh, if it wasn't for Marcus Carr going out, uh, there's a good chance that Texas could have won. Uh, I'm not saying he, yeah. he he wasn't doing too much that game, but let's so just he's a better be, than Devin Askew. He's, he's a little bit better than Devin Askew, yeah. and uh, whenever Devin Askew came in, the, their offense just looked lost. That he, they couldn't get any yeah. offense going. The ball was sticking. Um, it was it was absolutely disgusting to watch. Uh, well, and Marcus Carr is Texas's offense. Yeah, you know? like. Texas's offense, even with Marcus Carr, is not it's very still pretty. Not, it's, it's still not pretty. The ball still sticks. Very, yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's not great. So it's take a, out your best ball handler, and it's definitely gonna look worse. You know. Yeah, I mean Beard's teams always guard. They always guard, and you see the the remnants of that at Texas Tech. But you can see he, he's piecing things together. Carr's a transfer from Minnesota who scored a ton of points there, but he. Yeah, they don't have a lot of weapons. You're right. And so they, they just kind of piece together and just try to keep the game in the sixties and win 65, 62. Yeah. That, that's their goal every game. Yeah. And and there's a couple of questionable calls, you know, like the, the fog Allen whistle was definitely in full effect. There's that jump ball at the end where, or close to the end where Timmy Allen got smacked in the face, you know, like that, like, what are we doing here? But that's home cooking and and we and I, i'm making i'm working on it i think i'm gonna do it in the off season and just say like here's what happened because like towards the beginning of the season or midway through the season auburn had a very favorable whistle at home and it's not so much the case anymore uh as far as comparing to their opponents at when they're at home as well uh but arkansas right now is getting eight more free throw attempts than their opponents at home 
Kentucky actually gets the same amount of it gets more free throws than their opponents on the road. They get about three or four more free throws at home than their opponents, but they still don't even break 20 on each one. They only get like about 16, 15 and 16 for each game. So it's, it's kind of wild how in like, it's obviously style play factors into this as well. Uh, you know, like, so like Kentucky's not going to get a lot of free throw attempts because they don't really play to a style where it's so physical uh, offensively, but um, just a lot of craziness going on in college basketball this this season with officiating and stuff. But yeah, that Texas, uh, Texas, Kansas game. I'm so glad it went to overtime because it also spoiled the Duke UNC game. And uh, just happy to see that a little bit because you know, it, ha- it was going to happen. Duke and UNC, when they scheduled this game and it was the last game, they should have absolutely scheduled this to be like seven 30 where there's no, like at least an hour before the next game, you know, like ended, you know what I mean? So at least an hour, but you know, that's, they did it to themselves. So, all right, Jason, I got a couple interview questions I want to ask, and then we'll move on. How did you kind of get into this bracketology game? I know it's a it's a time consuming thing. I know Beard has had experience with it, and uh, I just want to know how you kind of fell into this, and uh, you know what makes you love it. Sure. So I think it was about ten years ago. I found myself a couple weeks before the selection show, just trying to sketch down and. I, just kind of wanted to, I just personally wanted to figure out who I thought was going to make a tournament. Right. So I do these sketches and then I'd, I'd pull back in the day, RPI numbers, you know, they didn't have quadrants or net. It was RPI numbers. And I'd look up strength of schedule and you didn't have as many numbers. So I, I made, you know, on my grid paper, I tried to figure it all out and every year I was fairly close kind of hung in there and then uh, found bracket matrix online threw my hat in the ring. And I think it was 2014 was able to win that one. So, you know, since then, been able to hang in there and it's just become kind of a passion for me. Um, and again, I, I think what makes college basketball so interesting is, is that if you just keep playing throughout the year, you got to you give yourself a chance at the tournament. And there's so there's so much it blends data with the eye test, which a lot of sports don't get to do. And I, I think that that's really interesting. So. I've, you know, over the last couple of years started to be a little more active on social media and basically the, the, the grid paper that I used to put together, I've, I've got on my website now um, and basically create a matrix for all the bubble teams. So all, all of the analytics are on there and then they're, each column is weighted based on, based on how the committee has evaluated teams over the years. And that's going to give us a pretty good idea of how the committee is going to see those teams. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I, I gotta I gotta interrupt you for a second. You guys have the Illinois Iowa game on right now. Mike, you're muted, worried. Mike. Let's see. Mike, you're muted. Sorry, I I said I do not. I have my TV off. Does it need to be on? Good. Look. It's seventy three seventy two. Fifteen seconds left. It was seventy three seventy one. Keegan Murray got fouled on a three point attempt, missed the first two, made the th- the third one. Oh wow! But he bricked those first two. It was bad. Uh, Illinois just called a timeout, so it's it's close. But yeah, this I'm keeping an eye on this game because I mean that's twenty and twenty four respectively. So uh, kind of a big big game here for both of these teams. But just wild, Keegan Murray bricking some free throws. Uh, Illinois, Illinois needs that one to share for the league. In the yeah, season yep. too. yeah, and it's at Illinois too. But it's you know, just a wild game. Anyways, um, so so Jason, uh, I know you're not drinking tonight, but what's your go-to <laughs> and or favorite beer? Um, I, I say go-to or favorite because sometimes my go-to beer isn't always my favorite. You know, 
just because like the circumstance of whatever you know if you're hanging out you want to drink a few you're not going to drink a few heavy ones so what's your go-to or favorite or both you know what's your go-to and favorite beer Sure. So I'm, um, I live in Kansas city. So I'm a Boulevard beer guy. Um, Casey pills, Casey pills is my go, my go to, uh, local beer, support the local team here in KC. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I've actually, I've heard of it. I haven't tried it. I want to though. So it's on my list. Uh, obviously I think we established that your favorite team is the Buckeyes. Is that your only favorite college basketball team or any, any others you, you kind of pull for? Uh, I've, uh, I, my son is a big, uh, Texas tech fan. So oh, I root nice. for them as well for him. And my daughter likes UConn. So, oh, wow. uh, so, so I, you know, when, when you've got little ones, you end up uh, cheering for their, their teams as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have a uh, quite a few, I think, I don't know if we have more than Kentucky listeners, but we have at least the same amount as, uh, Texas tech listeners as Kentucky listeners. So, They'll appreciate that one, uh, Reckham Tech there. So yeah, t- t- uh, it's going to be really interesting with Tech down the road to see, you know, if they're able to sustain this under their new coach. Uh, yeah, I mean, Beard built a phenomenal program. Can they can they keep sustaining it? But boy, do they play hard defensively. Yeah, it's 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 cool to see because I didn't expect them to be this good this year, and uh, it's happy to see it. Um, obviously. It's good when a when a coach leaves a program better than he finds it. That's a good sign, you know. So that's so good on Chris Beard, but also like happy for Mark Adams that he's finding the success this early on in his career, uh, as far as being a head coach goes. So, all right. So let me ask you, if you had to pick a player from, let's just say from the Big Ten, if you had to pick one player from the Big Ten to add to your to Ohio State this year, who would it be? Uh, Jaden Ivey. Uh, not because he hit the three to beat Ohio State after Purdue, <laughs> uh, but but because I think he's the most dynamic player uh, in the Big Ten, and he's probably a top five player in the country. Yeah, he's you know he's seventeen five and five can do a little bit of everything, and he does that on a Purdue team with a lot of really good players where he doesn't get yeah. as many shots as he might somewhere else. He's he's really really skilled. Um, he's got first team All American skill set, uh, and he has the tendency to make really big shots down the stretch. So Ivy. Yeah, and also, I mean, like, he would be the best guard on Ohio State's team. It would it would be a relief for EJ Liddell because then you have someone who could beat you in the front court and the back court at that point. So, yeah, I agree with that. So, um, another kind of similar question, but if you could add any former Ohio State player to this year's current team, who would it be and why? Evan Turner. Evan Turner yeah. could do a little bit of everything, right? He'd bring the ball up. He'd play the four at certain times. Um, but if I get Evan Turner, do I also get David Lighty? Uh, <laughs> uh, he, 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 Lighty played for 17 years at Ohio State. But I, I, the, to be succinct, I'll go Evan Turner. He's player of the year. Uh, I think it was 2011 player of the year. He's, he's He was really good. Yeah, I was I was hoping you weren't going to say, uh, what was it, Aaron Kraft? I uh, <laughs> couldn't stand that dude, not going to lie. Like, just couldn't stand him at, at, at Ohio State, especially in that, those Kentucky years in, the, in 2010. Pretty wild, so. All right, um, last question here, and then we will move on. Uh, what are three other podcasts that I mean, or shows? If you don't listen to podcasts, yeah. three other podcasts or shows that don't have to be sports related, just that you recommend to our listeners. Sure. So uh, I grew up. My, my parents were basketball coaches. I grew up around a lot of sports talk radio. My dad listened to Jim Rome growing up. It was on all the time. Yeah. So. Um, you know, I, I, I like myself. Maybe it's nostalgic. I like a little bit of of, of Jim Rome. Um, 
I like that at least you know he has a take. He has some fun with listeners. So yeah. So um, I enjoy that. Um, Adam Jardy does a really good job on the Ohio State beat. His podcast with the with the Columbus Dispatch is fantastic. Um, I'd say those are you know the, those are the two. Um, you know I'll I'll dabble in some some local radio shows. DeCourcy does a really good job when when he fires up um, some podcast work as well. But uh, I'd say those two. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, all right, well, we'll move on here. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, so um, it's kind of tough this week because we don't have – it's conference tournament week. We don't have set games that we can preview. But what we can do is we can make this a special episode here. I know we, we I mentioned it last week and maybe a couple weeks ago that we're going to do a special Selection Sunday episode. Let's call this a conference tournament episode, but let's let's – kind of give a preview or a our best guess at what the like the seating will be for the NCAA tournament this year. So Jason, you're you're the guy that's most active with uh bracketology right now. I'm gonna let you kind of you know tee this off here and uh Mike if you want to chime in whenever and uh, I'll chime in if I, I'll try but I'm gonna let this be your guys segment here for the next few minutes and we can talk about seeding and and everything that's going into this tournament because it, this is probably one of the harder tournaments to seed that I'd imagine in the past few years at least uh you know since you know uh, I don't know I mean I feel like that this there isn't there isn't a clear-cut four seeds you know four one seeds that we've had before so what do you guys think yeah so I I, I think we're talking about seven teams for the for the for the one seeds right four te- four spots and seven teams and um, we'll start with Gonzaga, right? I think Gonzaga, no matter what they do in the West Coast Conference, is is locked in as a one seed. So then, then you get into Baylor and Kansas battling it out. They tie for the regular season, Big 12. Uh, Baylor has 11 quad one wins. Kansas has 10. I think whoever wins the conference tournament is probably going to get a one seed. Arizona's got... You know they're twenty-seven and three. They have the inside track on a one seed as well. So then it gets to who who gets the last one. I don't think in the end both Baylor and Kansas are going to hold on to the one seeds. Right now I have them both as a one, but again because of their quality of wins. But I think if Auburn or Kentucky, if one of those two teams win the SEC tournament, I think that's going to kick them in and take the fourth one seed. Kentucky's finally getting healthy again with Wheeler and Washington. And I think a fully healthy team uh, of Kentucky, if they win the SEC tournament, gets in and takes the spot of, of likely Kansas. I got to ask a question on that. We we t- kind of talked about the Big Ten tournament. SEC's always been kind of the same thing. It, it takes place on Selection sure. Sunday, and where the it's kind of already determined. How did like how would they determine that? You know what I mean? So like let's say if Auburn loses on Friday, which I don't think is going to happen, but let's say they lose on Friday, is Kentucky kind of the lock for, you know, like if they win on Friday, is Kentucky the lock for the one seed then? I think, or, I think if they make know, it, kind of I think if they make it to the championship game, right? The, the committee has talked about having contingency brackets. We hear that every year, uh, but we don't always see that every year necessarily yeah. in the results. Yeah. 
So I think I think for Kentucky to get to the one, Auburn needs to lose early. Kentucky needs to at least get to the final game, and they're going to need Kansas to get beat. That's the path for Kentucky. Duke taking the shot at home against UNC puts them behind Kentucky and Auburn. And, yeah. But again, Auburn and Kentucky would need to lose early in their tournaments, plus Kansas for Duke to find a path. Wisconsin lost today yeah. at home to Nebraska, and yes, Nebraska had a good week, but Nebraska still has a net still, of 161. So yeah, they're not. No matter how yeah. you shake it, it the SEC champion will very well likely be the fourth one seed and then you know probably paired with kansas and you know and, and what will make a fantastic region yeah. absolutely that that's kind of what i was thinking uh you know the winner but in the, in the big 12 tournament whether it's baylor or kansas uh gonzaga for sure um i don't think that there's anything that they can do no. even if they lost to san francisco i think they would still likely be a one seed yeah and then um arizona um you know as long as they take care of business and they don't uh mess around there in the pac-12 um which is a which could be a slippery slope if you lose to uh a really bad pac-12 team but um i mean if you look at arizona's resume they still could end up as a uh quad one or not quad one but a one seed uh just based upon you know their their resume and uh, quality of wins, but uh, the, the Auburn Kentucky um, showdown, like you were saying, I I, I really feel like um, it, it's going to come down to, uh, like like you said, the the championship game, who wins and or who goes further than who, um, you know, they're, they're kind of neck and neck. Yeah. According according to um, I mean Auburn's eight and four in quad ones, and Kentucky's eight and six. Um, so you know I mean. That's not too much of a difference. There are just two more losses on Kentucky's end. Um, Kentucky doesn't have any bad losses, two, three, four quad quad uh, losses, and neither does Auburn. I mean, they're, they're very similar. So, um, like you said, it's, it's going to come down to and, that for yeah. the one and, and if Kentucky comes out in the tournament and really shows how – and really plays well and shows – how improved they are from early in the year, but especially with Wheeler and Washington being healthy, that's going to change. Mm-hmm. The committee, the committee tries to keep track of players in, injuries throughout yeah. the year, but the reality is it's hard to keep track of all of that. But Kentucky's such a ho- high-profile team, and Wheeler and Washington have been out, yeah. and it's been very publicized. They're back, and they're you know they're yeah. easing back in Washington. He only had 16 minutes the other night, but if they're healthy and they play well and they win the SEC or even get to the finals, they will very likely get that, get that one seed. And, you know, Kentucky compared to the beginning of the year has gotten leaps and bounds better. Oh, by far. Yeah. yeah, The, the, the frustrating part of Kentucky's eight and eight and six in quad one wins uh, games where Auburn is eight and four, like you said, Mike, how many of those Auburn games came at home? Uh, You know what I mean? Like, how many of those Kentucky games came at home? You know, so it's like the difference that that we can see is that the even with like I said earlier with Auburn, and Arkansas, Arizona is the worst of it. They get ten more free throws, uh, three for attempts than their opponents. Uh, so right. with at, at when they're at home, so um, that 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 plays a big factor into it. Net does not like Arkansas. Net does not like. Uh, or uh, Ken Palm does not like Arkansas. And there's a reason it's because all their best games have come at home. 
excuse me. Um, and I think that that kind of is the same for Auburn. The fact that Auburn went to Gainesville and couldn't close that game out, that was pretty telling. Um, the fact that Kentucky went in there on senior senior day and uh, and closed that game out, even though it was closer than it should have been, especially at the end, they still got the a win almost by double digits. So, uh, yeah, like like you said, Jason, like they don't keep track of injuries, but my goodness, has Kentucky been bitten by the injury bug lately uh, this this season? And they still kind of weathered the storm where they're potentially going to be a one seed. Out, out. If you told me at the beginning of the season that we we're going to be a one or two seed. I'd sign me up sure. all day, you know. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I would have taken that 100. And Auburn's had a fantastic year. I mean, let's be clear: they're 27 and four. They have been fantastic. Oh, yeah. But you know, we 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 get in the tendency where we read the quad ones again, eight and four versus eight and six for Kentucky. But if you dive deeper, there's kind of tiers even within the quad ones. Yeah, it's, Can, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Auburn's yes, they beat Kentucky at home. Got it. Their second best net win for the year is Loyola. Yeah, and Kentucky has. A win at Kansas, they've beaten Tennessee, they've beaten Bama, they've beaten LSU, they beat Bama again, they beat Carolina. All of those, from a net standpoint, are better than Loyola. So Kentucky's yeah. wins, yes. even at eight and six, is a much better than eight and four. But but yes. Auburn did win the league, unbalanced scheduling. Yeah. They did win the league. So really, again, it's all there for the taking for Kentucky. It's right there, and they can go get it. They, you know, they win three, they play three good games. They got the one seed and, you know, all of that matters because you, you really want to stay away from some of these other teams. You want to stay away from Baylor. You know, you yes, want to stay yes. away from Gonzaga. And if you can get the one and potentially get matched up with a Wisconsin, right. Who is had a great year yeah, as well, right. but not nearly as dangerous kind of up as Gonzaga. As well, yeah. Know? I mean, that's why the one seed really, really matters. You know, oh, for sure. Yeah. If we start to look at some of the the twos, it gets interesting. Again, Wisconsin, Wisconsin had the inside track going into today with a two seed, and who knows, right? Almost locking that in because of the you know the regular season they've had. They got tripped up. You know, Kentucky or Auburn, one of those two are, are going to get that uh, a, a two seed, probably Duke. The interesting teams that have a chance to sneak up and steal one is Texas Tech and Villanova. You know, Nova's 22 and seven. Their numbers are fantastic. Net in the sevens. I think if Nova, if Nova can get the Big East Conference tournament, I think that's going to really be a, it's going to depend on what Wisconsin does. And the reality is that most of these teams have almost double the quad one wins that Duke has. Now Duke might be the most talented team in the country. They might have the best roster in the country, but the reality is, is that they've lost at home. They lost at home to Virginia, Carolina. They lost. They Bad lost at loss. Florida State, yeah. and a lot of those games are really, really close losses. But they've fallen asleep a little bit late in games. Yeah, and Nova's really starting to play pretty well. I think there's a chance that Nova could get there and steal it. It'd be really interesting if Duke lost early in the ACC tournament if they fell down to a three seed. That's possible. It's possible. Yeah, it, it's very it's not possible. likely if Wisconsin, if a team like Wisconsin or Purdue, if they win. If they yeah. win the conference tournament in the Big Ten, that's one. One of the one of the SEC teams has taken a two seed. Um, Baylor, Kansas. There is a real chance that if Duke loses early, they could slip to a three. Yeah, I. I so before we did this, I, I kind of did a rough sketch of my own um, 
you know, as as he mentioned uh, to start the podcast, I I've taken a break from bracketology, but I do keep uh, my eye on it, and I'm still plugged in. I still watch basketball. I still check different bracketologists what what they have, not named Joe Lenardi, and uh, gosh, that gets on my nerves whenever somebody just mentioned Joe Joe Lenardi's <laughs> bracketology. I, I'm sorry, that's a that's it's a pet clickbait at this point. Yeah. But so bad. Uh, so so I did I did a rough sketch, and it's interesting that you said you know uh, Villanova and Texas Tech are you know it's right there for them for the taking because I have them as on my truly true seed list. Um, I have Villanova nine, Texas Tech ten, like right there on the cusp of a two seed, and Duke is right there at eight. Uh, I mean, just waiting to be triumphed to move down to a three seed. So um, yeah, I, I really like, uh, I, I like Villanova's chances here, especially, you know, the big East that they've got some quality opponents that the big East is way better than the ACC way better leaps and bounds. And so, you know, if, if Villanova were to somehow win that conference tournament, I would feel like the committee is going to weigh that more than um, Duke winning the ACC tournament. Um, I, I could very much see it, and it, it could be a toss-up. I mean, you can just, you know, throw a dart depending upon what, what they're going to do. So uh, it's it's going to be interesting. To finish out the three seeds, uh, you, you mentioned Villanova and Texas Tech. Um, those are my high-end three seeds, and then I have Purdue and Tennessee. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I'd, I'd agree with those as well. Um, Shelby Mast of uh, Bracket Wag kind of just recently put out his uh his his mock bracket with he said no alcohol involved his one seeds are gonzaga auburn arizona and baylor um obviously the order would be gonzaga arizona baylor auburn uh and and the two seeds are who does he have duke kentucky Kentucky, wisconsin and kansas yeah so yeah uh, kind of on track with what we're saying. Uh, he even somebody even replied, "If Kentucky wins SEC championship, uh, SEC title, uh, you know, would that would they get the one seed?" He said yes. Uh, so kind of like what you guys are saying. So to pass your pat yourself on the back there because you guys are on track there. Uh, pretty solid stuff so far. Um, is there anything else we should look out for with seeding? Are we uh, like let let me see? We did the first three seeds. Uh, you want seeds one through three. Give me some of your like last four in kind of teams. What do you think? Do you think Memphis has has a shot of making it at this point? Like they had a big win over Houston today. You know, give me a couple of uh, hot takes there. Yeah, I I think Memphis sweeping Houston, it, it essentially gets them in today. I, I think when you play in the American Conference and you get two cracks at Houston and you get both of them. And, you know, you've won, you know, 11 out of 13 or so like they have. I think that's going to be enough to get them in. They're, they're talented. They, they're, really starting to, they're really starting to buy in defensively. They've got some transfers that are starting to meld late. I think, I think that's going to work for Memphis. My last four in right now are Memphis, that heading in today, Memphis, who, who got the win. I think Wyoming's starting to slide back. All of these Mountain West teams are starting to stack on top of each other. 
So, so yeah. now it would be Wyoming, who's got Maldonado, a fantastic score. Mountain West is pretty good this year. So Wyoming, Notre Dame, VCU, and Wake. Wake Forest has one of those profiles that if you follow most bracketology right now, Wake's pretty safe. The issue I have with Wake is when you really dive into it, they have one quad one win. It's at Virginia Tech, who's likely not yeah. going to make the tournament. And their non-conference strength of schedule is 336 out of 358. Yeah, it was tough. Yeah, if you remember, I think it was in 2014, Larry Brown coached SMU. SMU was ranked in the top 25 in the last coaches poll and didn't make the NCAA tournament because their strength of schedule was right around that 340 mark as well. The committee has shown if you don't win big games and you don't schedule anyone when you're allowed to pick your schedule, they will make you pay. Now, Wake yeah. still absolutely can get in, but I don't think they're safe by any means. I don't think they're nearly as safe as most people think they are because the committee the committee has really penalized those types of teams. I think Notre Dame is, is slightly safer. They get the win against Kentucky. I think Miami's in now. I think Carolina's in in the ACC. But it's just it's crazy, these ACC numbers, when you think about it. Heading into yesterday, North Carolina was on the bubble at 22-8 and and 14-5 and in the ACC. North Carolina was on the bubble. They needed to win at Duke. That shows you how weak the ACC is this year. So Wake's the team to keep an eye on. And, and you know, VCU is really starting to play pretty well. Um, so, But I think they're going to have to keep winning in the, in the uh, A-10 tourney. Definitely, definitely. It's been uh... – it, it was just that that UNC uh, win yesterday just kind of threw a wrench into a lot of things for a lot of teams, but for Wake that was much needed. They, you know, like I'm, I'm sure Dow was celebrating that win extensively. Yeah, uh, he's a, he's a Wake Forest grad, so he he is a Kentucky and Wake Forest fan, and it was just yeah, that, I'm sure he was just celebrating that huge. Um, Mike, do you have any last foreign teams other than what he had said? You maybe any different ones? Um. No, no. I I have a, a list of teams that are um that, that I've just kind of been keeping my eye on um as far as you know whether they're going to make it w- whether I think they can make it in or out. Um I've got some questions for Jason though because he's he's kind of kept a closer eye on it. Um what do you think about teams like um like a Michigan who who got a big win today? But I mean, they're right there on the cusp of being in or out. Um, do you feel like their win today um, helped them in any way, shape, form, or fashion? Or and who do you, who else do you have, like kind of right there on that line as like the the first four out ish? Yep. So Michael, Michigan's a really interesting case when you look at the historical data of the committee with that large selection, right? The teams that make the tournament yeah. without winning their conference tournament, the the threshold to entry has been four games over 500. That's typically the threshold. Yeah. Now with COVID yeah. and cancellations over the last couple of years, they're a little more leaning on that, but by and large, that's what you have to do. That's what made Michigan's yeah. game so important today. They were three games over heading into it. On the road, which is a quad one win at Ohio State, gets them back up to that four games over 500 threshold, and it's their fifth quad one win. Michigan's going to make the tournament. They've got wins over Purdue, Iowa, Ohio State, and San Diego State. They're making the tournament. They just are. Um, Rutgers is in a similar boat, but it's it's interesting with Rutgers. They're, you know, depending on – how you view quad one wins versus other metrics, Rutgers could be anywhere from a nine seed to out of the tournament. 
their net is 76, which just for people listening that aren't familiar with the net ranking, typically to make the tournament, you got to be around the 40s because it's around 40-some at-large teams. So when you get something in the 70s, the alarm bell is going off here. This is way out of whack. But I'm going to read you some of the teams they've beat. They've beaten Purdue, Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin at Wisconsin, Ohio State, Indiana, Michigan, Michigan State. They've beaten all those teams. That's crazy, right? That's, that's ins- crazy. That's insane. I mean, they've beaten they- the Big Ten. Right. They've beaten like most of the Big and Ten. They're, they're going to be the four seed. <laughs> they're going to be the four seed. Get a double buy in a Big Ten tournament. That's how good they've been in yeah. conference. Now that's the good. The bad with them is Lafayette. They lost to Lafayette and UMass in the non-conference, and their non-conference strength of schedule is right around three hundred. They yeah. can't make up the ground even with all those wins. Listen, I think Rutgers gets in a team with with six quad one wins in this bubble environment should get in. And that, again, that's what makes Wake, and I'm, I'm sorry for your other co-host, that's what makes Wake on the bubble and <laughs> some of these ACC teams. They just don't have yeah. the quantity of really good wins. Another team that's yeah. really interesting is is Xavier. Heading in, Xavier had lost seven out of nine. They started out really well in the season to beat Ohio State early, had some really nice wins. They lost seven out of nine. I think a lot of people, especially on social media, right, they become prisoners of the moment. And they, they dive into whether a team makes it or not based on late February and early March. The reality is Xavier's earned the right. They have five quad one wins. And again, when you post that against other teams, it's going to hold up. Now, their seed is is sinking, but it's going to be enough to it's going to be enough to get in the tournament. Uh, and again, in, in large part because of the ACC. The ACC over the last five years has averaged eight teams making it. This year, if all breaks right, they're going to be in that four to five range. So there's there's four, three to four bids that are going to going to get gobbled up by by some of these other conferences. Yeah. Yeah. It's, nice. Well, I think that's a good place to stop on bracketology. Unless you guys have anything else, I think that's that's kind of like where where I've wanted what I've wanted to know and. Like what is what is the teams looking like? What are the seating looking like? I think I think you guys are right on track with what you know. Other than Joe Lenardi's crappy, you know, one seed whatever he says, you know, is bull crap. Uh, you know, stuff like that. You guys have you're kind of on par with everything I've seen there. So you know, hats off to you again. Um, that that looks great. So uh, we're gonna move on here in a second. But yeah, that that's fantastic. You guys did a great job of of uh con- you know consolidating that and giving us what we need to know a week out from Selection Sunday. One of the greatest presidents in our history, Ben Franklin, once said, beer is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy. None of what I just said is actually true, but who cares because beer. This is the part of the episode where each of us reviews a beer that we've either never had before or we just highly recommend. Let's drink. All right, let's do this beer review. I'm excited for this one. I had actually two. So last night, my mom, uh, she goes to this this gym. They had their first year anniversary party at the at a house of house of beer here in uh, the Palm Harbor Clearwater area, and um, so we went. So my my wife and I we went and joined her and my dad uh, to hang out. They gave us you know like free vouchers for beer. So I was trying a couple couple things, and I tried yeah. uh, one that's called. 
And so I've actually had this brand of beer. It was the peanut butter and chocolate milk stout that I tried. So Lost Coast Brewing over in uh, California. But they have what's called a tangerine wheat ale. So it's 5.2%. It's 15 IBUs. Uh, uh, so the description says, let's just put it this way. If you're ever going to have an impromptu pool party at a complete stranger's house, this is a beer you'll be swigging when you get caught. Uh, <laughs> brewed with the perfect balance of wheat and crystal malts, our tangerine wheat delivers a perfectly crisp finish for those hot summer days. It gets a classic Lost Coast wheat flavor with a kick of citrus to help jumpstart the summer party. So uh, I got to compare it to the Syracuse orange. I mean, tangerine orange. But Syracuse, yeah. like this beer is really good. Not gonna lie, like I really enjoy it. Uh, it's gonna be one that's gonna like gonna f- keep it with the mango carts. Keep it with my uh, the blueberry, you know, kind of wheat ale that I've had before. It's just easy to drink. A um, little bit better than like you know Mick Ultra or whatever. You know, the Bud Light that I'll drink. You know, like regularly. Uh, so if you want anything different than that, you know, Syracuse is always kind of consistently good. I mean this. You know, they have a chance. So this this beer could have a chance to win it all, like if they get a Carmelo on their team. You know what I mean? But uh, as far as this goes, I absolutely would drink it again. Unfortunately, I actually have two tonight, though. So I'm going to let you go on the second one. But I can't, I can't wait to tell you what this third one is. So go ahead and tell me all what right. you're drinking tonight. All right. So um, I'm drinking a Rheingeist um, Cincy Made Cloud Harvest 06. Um unfiltered juicy ipa and yeah so here i'll show you a picture of it here yeah right guys i think uh i think dal or kyle did that on the earlier on the podcast but podcast but yeah sounds pretty good Um, good. the the first few times that i that i drank it um i drank it like after drinking uh like a bush light and so like it, it wasn't really hitting right um, I've drank two beers tonight, uh, but I haven't had one in over an hour since like before the, the podcast started. So, yeah, uh, my taste buds are kind of cleared up a little bit. So I'm going to try it out again to see if I get a different, um, and I also like to drink them out of a glass. Oh yeah. Out of a glass is, it makes it that much better. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to pour this baby in here so I can actually see it. It feels thick. It feels thick. <laughs> it looks Super juicy, thick. though. It says a juicy, hazy IPA. Yeah, it's got 6.5 um, alcohol volume. And uh, the IBU, it doesn't say the IBUs on there. And I looked it up on the website. And even on the website, it says not applicable. So, huh. interesting. Yeah, so here we go. Uh, here, here's what it says. Uh, says, taking its name from a picturesque beach on the coast of Puket, Thailand, Yanai shines with vibrant, juicy hot flavor. Mosaic, Equinot, and Idaho 7 hops impart notes of pineapple, blueberry, and citrus. Stay tuned for upcoming releases, blah, blah, blah. Okay, um, so here it goes. Okay, it's a lot better. Yeah, it's a lot better. Um, it's got like a, a little bit of like a. It tastes a little bit like a grapefruit, a little bit. Um, yeah. But I can definitely taste the pineapple. I can definitely taste the blueberry and the the 
the citrus, obviously, but um, it tastes, it's got that bitter taste to it, kind of like the peel. Yeah. Um, as well. Uh, I think that's mainly what I was tasting the first time yeah. um, that I tasted it. But um, I'm going to compare this um, since it, mm, it's got that juicy flavor. It's really juicy, but it leaves that bitter aftertaste. What's something good um, to compare that to? Mm. That's a tough one. I think, uh, can we say, I mean, it doesn't really apply from this past year, but like Baylor. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Like for up until this past year, they've always kind of been like, Ooh, this team, they're good. They're good. But then they kind of fall short, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so it's think, almost think, like what, like Gonzaga, yeah, kind of, kind of. Same yeah, thing. it's kind of like Gonzaga now. We'll compare it to Gonzaga. Uh, the, the, it's really good. It's got a really good flavor, um, but it leaves you just bitter at the end yeah. because <laughs> they lost the game. Yeah, exactly. Bingo. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. That I mean, yeah, I, I, I want to try Ryan guys, because I mean that's twice now that I've heard people talk about it, so I want to try it. Uh, so I'm excited about this other one that I'm reviewing. I didn't drink the other one on here. I, I, I bought the Lost Coast Tangerine Weed Ale, but I saw this at the liquor store. I was like, I'm getting a case of this. <laughs> Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew has released oh. uh, an alcoholic version of their Mountain Dew. And so I got it. I got it. So they have four flavors. That They're all zero sugar, which I'm excited about because I, I just try to avoid sugar if I can. Yeah. Dude, these things are so good. So they have regular, oh they have black cherry, they have watermelon, and then they have Baja Blast. And the Baja Blast tastes exactly like a Baja Blast. You taste the alcohol a little bit, but it is, I mean, like, it is so good. I, I'm really enjoying this watermelon one right now. But the, uh, man, it's so good. So it's 5%. They're not, I didn't see any IBUs. It's technically considered a seltzer, but it's not seltery at all. I mean, like, it's a soda, so... It doesn't yeah. taste like, you know, like it just doesn't taste like a White Claw or a Vizzy or, you know, whatever, how many thousand seltzers there are now. Uh, it but it tastes like fl- Mountain Dew. It tastes like the regular one just tastes like a regular Mountain Dew. Oh uh, just a gosh. little bit of alcohol. You, you could taste a little bit of alcohol in the remnants, but overall it just tastes like regular Mountain Dew. And yeah. so for that reason, I'm comparing this, these to Auburn basketball because oh. Auburn football has always been good. And Mountain Dew has always been good, right? But now that they've added basketball and now that Mount, Mountain Dew has added alcohol, it's like they're really good. You know what I mean? It's really fun. Just overall, like, great for the program. Great for Mountain Dew that they would do this. And a 1,000% would drink this again. I'm going to the Keys a week from tomorrow. I'm going to be bringing a case of this if they don't have it. I'm going to be bringing a case of this down there because it's going to be so good on the boat. Uh, but, That's yeah, like – Zero zero sugar, so you're not gonna feel gross. Uh, just can't wait, man. It's gonna be fun. But yeah, the uh, so so good. Yeah. How many of those could you drink? Could you uh, drink a bunch of them? Probably because they taste like just yeah. soda. Like they just, yeah. you know, like it's the closest. It's so like, you know, like Seagrams. Like it doesn't like if you ever had a Seagrams before. Like you know, like a Mike's Hard Lemonade or whatever. You know, like mm-hmm. 
it's kind of like that, but it's not even like you don't feel as bloated because there's no sugar, so you don't feel as groggy and bloated. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's why I could probably drink a bunch of them because, like, the sugar is what kills you. Uh, sugar is what kills yeah. my wife. Uh, so, like, see, she, like, drinks the Vizzies or whatever, but it's a malt beverage. Um, I could probably crush, like, 10, maybe 12, 13 of these if I wanted to. You'd be freaking done. Oh, I'd be so toasty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, like, that's how good they are. You just keep on drinking them. You could definitely shotgun these because it's not like, it's not like, uh, like, I don't know. I had a, I had a friend that shotgunned this, uh, a White Claw the other day, like, not too long ago. And wow. I was like, that does not feel good going down the throat because <laughs> it's just, like, more, like, you know, seltzer than it is, like, flavor, right? So, yeah. but this has so much flavor to it. It's so good, though, so... Definitely recommend getting trying the new Mountain Dew hard hard seltzers or whatever you want to call them, but they're great. Go try them. The Baja Blast one is very good. You're gonna have a Baja Blast, and it's gonna be great. Um, <laughs> hopefully, they have them here uh, at my local liquor store. Yeah, because yeah. I'm I was gonna have to try those out. I was surprised. the The thing was huge. I mean, like I went so like I feel like he's been saying this, but like I go on when I pick out my beers for Sunday night podcast. I go right after church because it's right around the corner from my church. So I go from church to the liquor store like a heathen. But you know, like I walk in, I see this big like in the beer section. They have this huge crate of just all these, and I'm like, oh, I guess I'm getting two beers today, <laughs> yeah, two types or whatever. But yeah, yeah, so. All right, man. Well, let's move on then. Let's move on. Rocky versus Apollo. Daniel LaRusso versus Johnny Lawrence. Ali versus Frazier. What do they all have in common? They were absolute throwdowns. This is the part of the show where we discuss some throwdown games in college basketball this week. All right, so we can't really do our throwdown games of the week. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of great games, but we can't really give our predictions because we don't know what the matchups are going to be because it's conference tournament week. So uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go day by day of which conference tournaments start that day, and we'll just kind of go from there. So Monday on the 7th, uh, the CAA or Colonial Athletic Association's tournament starts as well as Sunbelt. The Summit, Horizon, and WCC, I think, has already started, I believe, or you know something along those lines. But anyways, Monday, tomorrow night, if you're, this is Sunday night, so tonight, if you're listening, Monday morning, Gonzaga versus San Francisco. That's a must-watch game. I think San Francisco is a much better team than we give them credit for. Uh, I think Gonzaga, obviously, is, is a better team. But at this point, what are they playing for? They already have the number one overall seed locked. I can see San Francisco getting the win here. To uh, kind of, you know, they're on that bubble. They're, 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 if I'm not mistaken, you guys correct me. You're, you're the experts here. Aren't they like kind of like teetering on like the 11 or 12 seed, right? San yeah, I think, yeah, I think San Francisco is going to get in. Yeah, their metrics yeah. across the board have been re- really, really good. It would, and the BYU win last night, I thought the BYU San Francisco game was actually the most important game on the docket yesterday from a bubble standpoint. BYU really needed it. San Francisco kind of needed it. San Francisco got the win. I think they're going to get in. They're a top. They're a top twenty defense. They're twenty six in the net. Um, really, no, no, really bad losses. I, I think San Francisco is going to get in. I, this game should be pretty competitive. I think the Zags, the, the Zags win it late though. Yeah, uh, according to Bracket Wags, Shelby Mass, San Francisco's a nine nine seed. 
in the Midwest Chicago region. So uh, that that so I mean this would help them, you know, a little bit more just to kind of secure that. But I agree, they're, they're probably getting in. And uh, but I still think yeah, I think Gonzaga takes this unless they're just like you know what we don't need this tournament. We you know we we'd rather just take the week off and get ready for NCAA tournament. We got the number one seed locked up. You know, not not going to hurt Gonzaga by any means. So might as well just kind of pack it in. At my point or my opinion. Um, so yeah, Tuesday ACC tournament starts as well as the uh, Maction tournament starts in Mac. Uh, ACC tournament, I think it's Clemson that's on the as one of the first teams. So keep an eye out for that. Wednesday we have a bunch of conference tournaments starting on Wednesday. So American East, Big Sky, Atlantic Ten, Mountain West. Uh, Southwestern Atlantic, Pac-12, Big East, SEC, Mid-Eastern Atlantic, and WAC. Uh, I mean, which one? Which one are you looking forward to most on Wednesday? Because that's going to be like this is the mar- This is the most March feel we're going to get of you know of March so far. Which one are you looking forward to the most, guys? Yeah, not not to be too much of a Kansas City homer here now that I live here, but <laughs> but I think the Big Twelve tournament is really fascinating. Again, yeah. Kansas and Baylor are playing for a one seed. Mm-hmm. If, if one of those two wins the tournament, they get the one. I also think Texas yep. Tech is playing for a two seed. So you've got three teams. The top three teams in the Big 12 are all probably in the top eight to nine teams in the country. And so that's going to really make for, for a fantastic, probably semifinal night. Mix in Texas with, with, with Chris Beard, and you know they're going to guard, and they'd love another crack at Kansas. I think I think that Friday night semifinal could be – could be probably the best the best session of games across the board in the country this week. Yeah, I agree. I I'm, I'm a whole lot like you. I think the um, my my eye is going to be on the Big Twelve, uh, whether you know it's Baylor or Kansas that gets that one seed, and like you said, Texas Tech can they do enough to possibly break that two seed threshold? Um, also, the SEC tournament uh, we mentioned Kentucky. And Auburn, who's going to snag that one seed? Um, can Tennessee do it possibly enough to break through into a two seed as well? Um, and I, I'm really interested in the the Big East. Um, I, I I just like the 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 style of play for the Big East. It, it, it's just fun basketball, a whole lot of athleticism, a whole lot of shooting. Um, just love it. Uh, UConn, Villanova, can Villanova uh, bump themselves up to a two seed? Um, so uh, you know, there's a whole lot of good basketball to be played. I was a little skeptical on which tournament I was going to pick, um, but just based upon Con- uh, Connor's wording, which one am I most looking forward to on Wednesday? Because you know those are some of the the lower seated teams. I was like, I, yeah. I was like, oh crap, which. I don't know which, <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah. Overall, those those three are the the three I'm looking forward to the most. And then you know, uh, Big Ten will be fun, I'm sure, and ACC will be thrilling. I'm I'm sure somebody does something to knock themselves out of the tournament or something right there on the bubble or uh, whatever that may be. Yeah, and sometimes you get kind of a crazy Pac-12 tournament. Uh, you know, last year, yeah, or, or last year Oregon State came back and they won, they won the Pac-12 tournament. They got in the NCAA tournament. They made a sweet 16. So 
there are there are some Cinderellas that take place even in the major conference tournaments. We we tend to think that you know the, the dominant teams win, but every once in a while you get an outlier. The Big East is an interesting tournament. They've got quite a bit of depth. Mm-hmm. You know, teams like Seton Hall and Marquette have beat a lot of really good teams this year. Seton Hall's starting to kind of find their find their stride again. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got Georgetown. They should be okay there. That could be a, a really really um, fascinating game with you know if they play UConn or Villanova in the second or third round there. So the, some of these Big East teams are pretty tr- pretty tested throughout the year. A lot of tough environments in that league. Um, there's going to be some pretty good depth. They're talking about a you know Marquette and Seton Hall teams that have won you know five, six, seven quad one games, and they're probably going to be slotted in around that eight nine game. You know somewhere between the seven and nine, and those are pretty good teams. So uh, th- that'll be interesting as well. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the SEC tournament. Like always, it's just a fun tournament because I know the teams way more. Uh, but I'm actually the A10. I'm really looking forward to that one. I think that one could be a fun one to watch. Has a couple of uh, teams that can make a, a run in the you know in the tournament. So excited for that. But um, yeah, so Thursday I think Conference USA tournament USA tournament starts as long as the South Southland. And I think at that point, all the tournaments are going, and it should be a fun weekend up until Sunday. Should be a great weekend for basketball and enjoy it. You turn you turn the TV on. You have five different channels that you could watch a game, so it should be fun. So, yeah, um, let's go ahead and move on. Drink up. It's last call. As we are closing, each host has an opportunity to share any last-minute thoughts, hot takes, found stupid tweets, and fandom talk. It's kind of weird doing a last call without Dal because he always has a good one. But, uh, you know, like for me, my last call is, uh, I mean, goodness. Coach K, you, you chose to do this farewell tour. Yeah, which like I respect. I, I wanted Tom Brady to do the same thing because I wanted him to come back to the Bucks as a Bucks fan. But uh, you know, like this is something that you chose to do. You had all the distractions there, and you lost the game. I don't think what you did by doing that little thing and saying this is unacceptable. You you kind of threw your players under the bus without indirectly saying it. <laughs> you know, those players are feeling that the guilt, saying this is you know, this is unacceptable. Blah blah blah. You never apologize for your job as a coach that you did because you didn't really coach a good game yesterday, you know. So like, Coach K, you're in the wrong in this one on your on your last day in Cameron Indoor Stadium. Does it matter? No, because you're probably going to get the most favorable whistle in the NCAA tournament. You're gonna probably win the ACC tournament and and you're gonna win the NCAA tournament because you're gonna have the easiest region because you requested your region to be Chicago because that's where you're from, which is absolutely ridiculous that you even that you even have the audacity to do that when you're teetering a three seed but whatever uh you know so i'm just tired of the the love fest even though he is a decorated all time like i i i i say this my dad says this he's he's one of the greatest coaches he just coached the wrong team you know like that's that's how i feel about coach k uh but you know his age is showing a little bit in the way he's handled you know, the season and ways handled these losses the past few years, the whole grab Dylan Brooks and say like, Oh, you shouldn't have been showboating at the end, you know, and the back in like what 2016, 
uh you know like anytime you lose you have to make it about yourself it's just annoying just move on dude just take the l and move on that's that's all i gotta say that's my rant any you guys have anything you want to you want to chime in on your last call yeah last call all right since uh the regular season over is over with let's let's declare oscar sheway national player of the year yeah absolutely it's it's only right um you know wisconsin they uh, so jeff goodman made a tweet and he said uh that he thinks well he's made a series of tweets shout out jeff goodman by the way so me and him are good buddies he follows me on twitter and we've talked back and forth a couple of times but um, I, I think he's dead wrong in the fact that Johnny Davis is the national player of the year because no if because if if Wisconsin didn't have them, they're an NIT team. Yeah, that that might be true, but they just lost to Nebraska today to to cap off the end of the year. Um, he says that you, you know they lost in Nebraska, but Johnny Davis went out. Um, in in the first half to I think a lower body injury. I hope, Hopefully he's okay, but yeah, uh, the reality of it is they were losing whenever he got hurt as well. So, you know, let's make this right. Crown Oscar Sheboy National Player of the Year. The guy's been through so much. I'm so happy for him, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, what he's going to do for Kentucky in the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament. What's wild to me about Oscar Sheway is that I was talking to my dad about this yesterday. If this was if ten years ago, Oscar Sheway be the number one pick, and it wouldn't even right. be close. Yeah, wouldn't yeah. Even be close. Twenty years ago, for sure. Not even twenty, man. 10, maybe like, ten. Yeah, maybe ten. Like you think about it, Jaleel Okafor was the the leading number one pick for that whole year, and then Cat kind of stole it at the end, right? Yeah. Uh, for twenty twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me Jaleel Okafor is better than Oscar Sheway this year. Like Oscar Sheway is putting him up way better numbers, you know. Right. Uh, Julius Randle, like he's putting up better numbers than Julius Randle, and Randle went what fourth in that in that draft, third, yeah, you know something like that. So just absolute, it's crazy. Like NBA is missing out on some good players uh, just because of the style of play it doesn't fit, but. You yeah. can't tell, like, Oscar Sheway could absolutely contribute to an NBA team this year. Just sad that the highest I've seen him go is uh, 32. Yeah. He, has a, he has a $5 million offer to come back to Kentucky next year. Yeah, what's interesting about Sheway is he's putting up Zion, what, what the numbers that people perceive Zion to have back in the day. Zion didn't put up 18 and 17. And, no. so, <laughs> and so really, Sheway's had a... A, a truly remarkable season and at times carried Kentucky because their guard play oh, yeah. has been so thin with the injuries right um, to to very likely a one seed and and again yeah he you know because he does so much on the boards um, it, it's been it's been really impressive to see my my only rant I'm gonna go back to it I'm gonna jump in with one here again yeah if if a team with one quad one win sits above a team with uh, 11. Houston versus Baylor, we got to fix the net. Yeah. The net's got to be the net's, yeah. the net's got to be fixed. I'm going to harp on that one more perfect. time. So, yeah. um, I think it will get fixed. I think that the overall system is probably probably okay for the net, but they've got to get they've got to get um, the the amount of uh, points you win by fixed. And again, that that's part of the reason why Wisconsin fought Michigan because yeah. people are leaving the regulars in because the, all the scores matter. Yeah. It matters how many points you win or lose by. 
So there's you have to keep your starters in because you you want to cut it down and not lose by 15. You want to try to sneak it down and lose by five yeah. or six. Any point you can get ends up helping your net ranking, and your net ranking determines your NCAA seat. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. The net is broken. The, the system's a little bit flawed, but it's what we have. I think we're going to have a great tournament this year, Absolutely. regardless of the seeding. You know, every team gets screwed, you know, some way or another. Every Everyone thinks their team gets screwed unless you're the number one overall seed. So, uh, But you know what? Good teams win, great teams cover. This is going to be a fun year for college basketball. Uh, can't wait to see the the upsets. Uh, I don't know if you guys are planning on doing like any like the tournament challenge where you do with friends, but like I'm trying to convince my fantasy football league to do it just to do it. Last year we did it for draft order. It was incredibly fun. They didn't want to do that this year because now I host a college basketball podcast. It's unfair. I said if you listen to the podcast, you have the same amount of knowledge that I do, so you should just listen to the podcast. But no, they don't want to do that. I'm just messing. But yeah, the uh, no, it should be incredibly fun though. Um, so we're gonna wrap up here. Uh, I want you guys to go like, subscribe, follow, leave a rating, review, whatever you need to do. This is March. I need you guys to pump this stuff out for us to get us in the charts. We're looking for sponsorships. We're looking to uh, expand our brand a little bit, especially going into next season. Should be even better than it was this season, which was already incredible for us. Uh, your support has been just amazing. We appreciate you all that listen and share the episode. You guys know who you are. Um, at this time, we're going to do some social media shout outs. So go ahead and plug your accounts, guys. Where, where can we find your work? You can find me on Twitter at allmikedup underscore. Uh, feel free to give me a follow and I'll do my best to uh, follow you back. And uh, just uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. And uh, it's always a joy to come on here. Y'all, it's just a fun, free flowing prog- uh, podcast and uh, brilliant minds between you and Dow. I'm, I miss him being on here today. Uh, hopefully he's having fun in Vegas and tearing it up out there. He actually so real quick before we let Jason go here, uh, Dow was a. Uh was not watching the Kentucky game yesterday, but he had a $50, you know, like money line to, or for, he, had, he put $50 on Kentucky to cover. Uh, he was like te- asking, like frantically texting us for the updates on the score. He's like, it's four, it's minus four and a half Kentucky minus four and a half. What are they at? It's eight points. And then Matt or other, one of our other co-hosts sometimes he, he's like, Oh, well all they have to do is, you know, miss a free throw here and then go, they go down and hit a three and things get dicey for you. <laughs> he just kept on messing with them on that. Uh, but yeah, it, it was incredibly fun. Uh, missed having Dowell and Matt on for sure, but the, we'll have them on next week for selection Sunday show, but you, Jason, where can we find you? Where can we find your work? Everything you want to plug, man, this is your opportunity. Sure. Well, first, thanks for having me on Connor and Michael. It, it was awesome. Talk hoops. Just let me know. Uh, you know, if you ever want to do it again, um, yeah, happy to join. Uh, my, my site is uh, big-underdog.com. And on there, I've got my seed list. And I try to give a capsule for every team in the tournament, not just the record, but try to give a capsule on some some analytics or maybe some trends they've got going. And then I got my bubble matrix on there that basically breaks down every team on the bubble and how they relate to getting in first four, next four, and out. And again, that's big that's big-underdog.com. And then my Twitter handle is at big underdog blog so feel free to shoot me any questions you have this week be happy to, to have a conversation with you and again thanks so much for having me yeah absolutely man thanks for coming on thanks for reaching out we love hearing stories of uh 
how people find us because, like I said, we're a relatively new podcast, man. This is our first season that we decided to do this. And uh, so we just, our, our fan base has grown. Glad that we can, uh, the algorithm has set us up so that we can hang out and talk some hoops, man. It's been fun. So Sounds good. Uh, give me give me a holler next year. We'll maybe do a preseason show or something. That would be great. That would be fantastic. So, yeah, so um, you guys have a fantastic week. Enjoy the conference tournaments. We're going to get back to you on Selection Sunday. We're going to go all out for the Selection Sunday show to talk about which teams got snub, which teams got you know a little bit of boost, a little bit of help from the uh, from the NCAA evaluation there, and uh, yeah, the the committee and see where they how bad they screwed up and how bad they got it or how good they got it right. But you know, it's gonna be a great show. I can't wait. Uh, but you guys go ahead and share this episode. Like I said, like, review, leave a comment, whatever you want to do. We're going to interact with you on Twitter. Yeah, you guys have a great week and enjoy it. All right, be well, everybody. Thanks so much for having me. Peace.